This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello and welcome to another episode of Awesome Etiquette. We are so proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Dan, I don't know about you, but one of the... One of the biggest questions I get and like topics that I, I, that people seem to want to talk to us about, or at least me about, I don't know about you, but is, wow, you work with your family? Isn't What's that fun? That oh, really? That is not what they say to me. I always get the, I could never do that. How do you do that? And you're like, mm-hmm. well, I show up every day and I get a paycheck. <laughs> It helps. It helps. It really does. Well, no, it's work, and you gotta you gotta be professional. <laughs> it is, but it's even so. Um, it's funny, you know. People talk about nepotism. They talk about all the downsides of working with a family business, and trust me, they're there. It's taken our family a lot from when we first started, and really worrying about not favoring post-family members within mm-hmm. the business. We're tiny. We, there, right now, there are only two people who work at our organization who are not family. And one of them has been close friends with my parents for, gosh, 10, 15 years. Practically so she's family. practically family. <laughs> yeah. And the other has just joined us this past year. So he's really getting used to us. <laughs> and it's been kind of fun to – well, fun. It's been, it's been a process to meet the family again through the eyes of someone new. Someone who's new, really exactly. getting to know the organization well. But the truth of the matter is it's not easy at all. Everyone says, oh, I could never, for a reason. It is really hard to work with your family. It's so incredibly complicated because Mm -hmm. you love someone very deeply, but you might get really, really frustrated with them, um, either their style of work, a particular decision on a particular part of the business. And then at the same time, you have to go to Christmas dinner with them. Go home that night. Who's going to take care of mom and dad's cat today? Yeah, it's, you know, there there really are a lot of ins and outs of it. And I, one thing I've always been really grateful for is that our family gatherings, I feel like, have never once been affected by any problem at the office. That our, our family moments are really, no matter how much, like... Mm-hmm. I have never accepted an invitation to go up to Dan's cabin on the mountain. <laughs> I feel terrible because Pooja is always like, come on. All of a sudden we're entertaining. I know. And it's it's different. And I, Dan and I love each other very much. We actually have a lot of fun together. We've driven across the country together. I mean, we've had some kind of really we memorable moments socially, as cousins. No question. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
But we have no desire after spending all week together to go hang out for <laughs> the solstice party or the bonfire because the sauna just got finished. Like it's funny. No desire. I, I, I issue the invitations I you, yeah. and I issue them in the same way. You, you do some things just sort of pro forma. You do them to thank you. To hit your I marks. appreciate that. So Truthfully. I make invitations. So Lizzie, we're having a solstice bonfire and having a bunch of people up. You know, you really haven't been up for dinner yet. Would you like? Thanks so much for inviting me. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. (laughs) But it's true. It's because we see each other all the time. And for the most part, we spend our little breaks at work catching up Mm. on our life's problems, our life's issues, our life's joys. And it's like, I think we would get up there and maybe not even know what to do. Absolutely. It's it's quite possible. Quite possible. Um, And I'll I'll, I'll reflect back at you something that when I first started working at Emily Post, my mother was working there full time also. And we used to set a a rule for ourselves because we'd carpool sometimes in and out of Duxbury, which is a good half hour away. It's like a 40-minute commute. Exactly. At at the minimum, we'd meet at the Richmond Park and Ride. We'd have 20 minutes together. And the rule was that by the time we hit the Richmond Park and Ride, we no longer talked work, that we had to leave the work behind at some point so that we could continue to have a relationship as mother and son. But it took that kind of discipline. By the time we were about 15 minutes down the road from EPI, we'd say, you know, we got to stop talking about EPI. Let's talk anything else. You do have to find the things that connect you as a family and really promote them and be active about engaging in them because otherwise it does all become business. I remember my mom and dad, they owned an advertising agency and my mom's sister worked for them. And when they would get together with um, my mom's sister and her husband, my uncle Jay, every now and again, they just would all of a sudden realize or Jay would have to remind them, you know, afterwards he'd talk to Sarah about it, how, hey, we I I don't know what's going on at the office. So talking about work when we're having dinner mm-hmm. isn't fun for me. I'm sympathizing for John Senning all of a right? sudden. Right, yeah. right. Or Matt Bushlow, Anna's husband. Like it's it is one of those things where and he actually worked with us. So that's a little different because he kind of has that insider knowledge. But it is one of those things where. It, it is so much a part of our lives that I love the fact that when we when we do have Christmas, when we do get together as a family family, people will ask how things are going at the Institute. But for the most part, this is family time and we talk about about family and personal lives. And I really like that no matter how difficult things have gotten at the office and trust me, they get difficult just because we're etiquette experts doesn't mean we get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so wonderful to know that on the other side of it is a really strong family that you'll have no matter what. That you can count on. That being said, I think I need a sabbatical. Do you need a sabbatical? I think sabbaticals are great. I think we all need a well, break every now and It is such consuming again. work. And I think uh, uh, particularly the the members of the family that are in our generation hope to plan to do this work for a long time and to really make that work sustainable. The idea of thinking about ways to continue to refresh and rejuvenate and restore yourself, it's really important. I mean, it's important for academics. I think that's a great model. Um, And I, I think it's definitely something we should be Keeping keeping open to the possibility of, no, no question. So if you've ever wondered how we get things done at the Emily Post Institute, when we come up with ideas, we put them into the podcast where we know that my father, our director, <laughs> Peter Post, will be listening. Dad, did you pick up the hint? <laughs> no. 
Well, and, and just, you're, you're getting close to something else. You, you also have the unique situation of oh working with several members of your nuclear family. Not several, <laughs> all. I only have one sister. All four of us work together. I mean, my mom edits my column at Women's Running. Like, you know, my dad is, he. I mean, he's so special to me. He's, he's my go-to person, and I have to be careful with that because... You you don't want to just over overstep your bounds with that and well, wanting to acknowledge the challenge of it too. I'll tell you from the perspective of a a, a closely removed outside that's observer. That's right because you just um, a little. Yeah. It, it, it's it's also a very close family, and I think that a lot of strength from our business comes from it. Also, oh, I mean those I'm bonds are that. incredibly close, and yeah. you all know each other so well. <laughs> I mean you you complete each other's thoughts, <laughs> and at first it's a little intimidating, but it's also um, there, there's no question it's an advantage. What's it like though, not being that? Per- like, because I only know it as being like not only in the family, but then in this immediate family where all of us work together. Because you have family members, Will doesn't work with us. What's that like? Um, I- at, at first, it was a little unnerving, a little unsettling. Mm-hmm. It, it took me a while to figure it out. It took years <laughs> to sort of watch the dynamics at play and to get more comfortable with that. Um, I also really appreciate um, the way uh, everybody, I think, in your family in their own way have made a real effort to to acknowledge that slight difference in my relationship to the family sure. business and, and have been really accommodating. I, I know your father, just a, for example, for everybody out there, when he sends emails that go to Lizzie, Anna, and, and, and me – he rotates around the order that he puts those names at the top of the email just so that he doesn't give the appearance of giving Whether he favor. It, just a small point of etiquette. It's thing. a small courtesy. And, and and yet it's little things like that that um, in the end end up communicating that, that he values everybody, that we, we all have a place there, and that there. He, he wants to treat us as equals professionally, even if I'm never going to be his daughter. One of the things about the post side of the family that I also find really interesting is that um, like, for instance, I was talking with Pete, our cousin, who growing up was like a brother to me. I always looked up to him. Um, Such a nice guy. <laughs> it, yeah, he really is. And um, and I was talking with him about getting together for lunch and having him come to a spin class I go to. And what I love is that even though Dan and I know each other's lives pretty much inside and out. I mean, we truly are like brother and sister at this point. And what I think is so amazing, though, is that I don't feel any less close to any of our other cousins just because we work together. It's funny. It hasn't somehow like our relationship at work hasn't somehow trumped my relationships with the rest of the family just because we do this thing. To put it Emily Post terms, there's a whole social architecture to the there family is. that's that's independent of the business and, and I think helps sustain those relationships. And yeah. I guess it's in the moment remind me how important some of those things are, some of those those events that really tie families together. Well, that's a little insight into what it is like to work as a family at the Emily Post Institute. Well, and we just we uh, something else we're really yeah. keenly aware of is just how many people work for family business. The percentage of the U.S. economy that is connected to or touched by family business is is absolutely staggering. And, and there's so many different ways that families make it work and make decisions around it. It's it, it's fascinating to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll hear lots about it if you keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Hey, let's get to some of your questions for today. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. 
StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our etiquette questions inbox is filling up fast these days, so today we are going to do an all-questions show. Without further ado, let's get started. This week, we have a, a number of detailed questions and short questions. I was kind of impressed with the, with the variety that we got. Um, but this one right here is a total classic. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. I have a problem. I am married to the most wonderful man. I will just say flat out, this does not sound like a problem. <laughs> All right. He's caring, kind, thoughtful, and everyone loves him. All good. All good, yeah. There's just one issue. Uh-huh. His feet smell. Uh-oh. I don't think this would be noticed by friends or anyone else, but I cuddle with him all the time and have never been able to get used to it, and it does bother me. He actually has great cleaning practices. He isn't a dirty guy at all, and yet I just don't know if he's aware of this phenomenon or if there is even a solution to it. I even bought him new sneakers, but the smell came back. How do I address such a sensitive subject with someone who's so close to me? I don't want to embarrass him at all. I would feel terrible if I made him super self-conscious. But it's been a long time coming. I've been dying to have my question answered for a while now, but I can't ask friends or family because I don't want to draw attention to the smell. Please help. Signed, Need to Breathe. <laughs> this is the, the the classic etiquette question. If there's someone that I'm very close to, and there's something that they don't know about, and it's or potentially don't know about, and it's awkward or embarrassing, or I can't help but notice, I need to know how to bring it up with them. And this is one of those moments where I love to remind everybody out there that we will all have changing uh, personal grooming and hygiene habits over the course of a lifetime. And True. It's it's not a bad thing to every once in a while do a little self assessment, take stock, ask questions of yourself that you are usually not asking yourself. Like, am I really bathing properly every day? It's not a given. It doesn't mean that you weren't raised well or that um, you, you, you don't it's have true. the best of intentions, but you're probably not 
going to smell your own bad breath. You're probably, and maybe you picked up a coffee habit since the last time you set your brushing routine. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to brush mid-morning now. Anyway, so it's a little reminder to everyone out there that it can be hard for people to talk about this stuff with us. So, so it's up to all of us to be a little bit diligent. Okay, off my soapbox. Back to the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Having a difficult conversation, one of the tips I learned from a former um, employee of a major corporation is you can prime someone by asking permission to have the conversation. There's something a little awkward that I'd really like to talk with you about is now a good time. And all of a sudden they're mentally prepared for something that's maybe going to be a little awkward, difficult or embarrassing. Mentally prepared? I get mentally anxious. I would be like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. What is wrong? What do I do? So tone of How voice. <laughs> You're going to let them know it's okay by staying calm, by staying present. <laughs> um, you're going to do it right. If that's the moment to have the conversation, you can ask permission just to have it even in that moment. You don't okay, need to good. schedule it. It doesn't need to be like, okay, there's something I really need to talk to you about. Can we get together that's after Friday dinner tonight? <laughs> exactly. You know, something a little difficult I've been meaning to, to talk about with you. Now be a good time. Yeah, sure. No problem. And then they're in and you've got their permission, their buy in. Um, I like it. Think about how you would want to be approached. Um, Tell them that if the roles were reversed, you'd hope that they would talk to you about something like this or that they would be comfortable talking to you about something like this, that if the shoe was on the other foot, that you would want to know about it and you would hope they would tell you. This is all some good sample language to intro into the the topic. The other thing I might um, prepare yourself for ahead of time is to think about exactly the thing that it is that you want to address so that you don't end up calling into question their hygiene habits in general, which clearly don't seem to be a problem for you here, but it really is a specific problem. It's in this case, the way these feet smell. So would you suggest maybe starting out with that? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm even struggling, me struggling <laughs> with the language here. What um, would you say, you know, i I know that you have great hygiene, but there's something I notice when we're I snuggling notice, up on the couch and it doesn't seem to go away kind of no matter what footwear you're mm-hmm. wearing. And then you drop the bomb that it's your feet smell. And you can ask them, say, are you aware? Are you aware of this? That your is feet this something smell? that you're trying to address? Yeah. Is it, it might be something they're completely unaware of. And then the conversation starts off really easily. Um, fresh socks and a shower after you exercise. Um, might be suggestions. Maybe I'm getting they, the sense he does these things, though. He, he it might. doesn't sound like dirty socks or I So mean, then it's a trickier conversation. This yeah. might be a health question. And this like is one of the reasons. Has to ask a doctor or something? Per, perhaps. Okay. You might want to talk to a doctor if something's persistent, you can't address it and it matters to you. And if it's mattering to the people around you, it's probably going to matter to you. This is where I want to tell a little bit of personal story about a friend of mine who had a problem with smelly feet, lasted a long time. And this friend was on a little bit on the, the alternative edge of the health spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah. And this person diligently washed their feet with cider vinegar for a long time, taking a, a homeopathic home care remedy to try to, to deal with feet that were smelly. I had an old roommate that would shower in it. And uh, I finally told him he couldn't because it smelled so bad in my the, shower. The cider vinegar the in cider the shower. Vinegar. I didn't like showering in a salad dressing. <laughs> we had a, a very plain conversation one day. He sort of confessed to me that he was having trouble with his feet and it was it was a problem for him. He didn't know what to do about it. He was frustrated. And I yeah. said, you know, have you tried an athlete's foot cream? No, that had never occurred to him before. That it might be athlete's feet causing the antifungal athlete's foot cream that you could buy over the countertop yeah. in any gas station or drugstore in the country cleared it up in a matter of weeks. That's amazing. Yep. 
Sometimes it's really about just a slightly different perspective, joining right. you, looking okay. at the problem. And this could be as simple as some athlete's foot cream, something that you wouldn't think, oh, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not a big athlete. That's not something that I'd get. Problem solved. That might even be a way for, for this person to approach it is to say, hey, hey, honey, I picked up some, some athlete's foot cream for you. I've just noticed that there is an odor and it seems persistent and I can't figure it out because you're clean. Mm-hmm. You always put on fresh <laughs> socks. You do buy new shoes every now and again. But for some reason, this keeps happening. And I just I was hoping that maybe this would help solve it. You're getting us around to the last tip I would give on a difficult conversation. If you're going to raise a problem, be ready to talk about some solutions, solutions have yeah. some ideas. And, and maybe maybe that's just the suggestion. Maybe you've already got that foot cream in your purse. But. So I'm going to add one more thing to all of Dan's advice, which is great advice. And that is... Um, one thing he's brought up on the show before, and that's the platinum rule. And think about who you're dealing with here. You know your husband really, really well, need to breathe. And I believe that (laughs) you know whether he would appreciate humor in this situation or gentle sincerity or the solution I gave, which was to to come at it with with something right there in (laughs) hand to try. Um, I think you know your husband really, really well. So think about him and how he he receives this type of information and really try to come, come at it with that in mind so that you can be as successful as possible with this conversation. Yeah, and with with a little bit of forethought, like Lizzie says, you're going to be in in good shape, but definitely um, don't be afraid to bring it up or address it because it definitely impacts, affects you, and he's going to want to know that. And clearly there's so much other awesome stuff about this guy that this is a small thing, but it's a small thing you don't want to have to live with, so we get it. We hope that helps you out, and um, good luck. (laughs) Our next question comes from out west. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. A warm welcome from sunny California to you. I can't tell if I'm jealous or really happy that we got a warm welcome from sunny California (laughs) because it is six degrees outside today. (laughs) There's something my older sister has been doing that's been bugging me for a while. Hopefully you two will be able to put it to a rest once and for all. My boyfriend and I think it's disrespectful to leave the house while the rest of my family is eating dinner. Once we hear my dad cooking, we use that as a cue to leave the house and go eat, even if we haven't figured out where to go. When we come back, we peek into the house to make sure they're not eating, and then we head in if it's safe. My sister, on the other hand, likes to leave with her boyfriend while the family is eating. Either that or she'll come back as the family is still eating. She does as she pleases. We've been tolerating this behavior for a few (laughs) years now. I'm sorry, but I can't help but think it's incredibly rude that she comes in and out of the house during such a personal time like a family meal. It might not help that the front door is in sight from the dining room. Is this even considered rude behavior and etiquette? It might just be annoying to me. I've discussed this with the rest of the family, and they agree that it's not the most polite behavior, but no one wants to bring it up to her. (laughs) If she's being rude, is there a way to tell her politely without stepping on any toes? We just want to eat in peace. Help. Oh, B. That's an awkward one. I'm. There's a couple things that confuse me in this question. Um, one is the, the, the leaving while the parents eat and then coming back. And I'm not sure I understand that because if I was at my parents' house, now granted they live in the country, so there aren't very many places to go hang out while mm-hmm. they eat dinner. But I'm if I was at my parents' house and they were going to cook dinner, Either I would just leave for the night and not come back or they would invite me to stay for dinner and I would just join them for the meal. I completely agree with her that the sister getting up in the middle of the meal and leaving with her boyfriend is not appropriate unless there's some reason for it. Like they have a movie that they're going to and that's the movie time. So they're going to eat quickly and leave the rest of the family to finish. 
but those Makes are kind sense. of more spe- more like you know uh, specific circumstances. In general, yes, it's rude that she's doing this, but I, I still don't get the like we're peeking in to make sure <laughs> they're not. I mean, you wouldn't do that at anyone's house if you showed up. I'm I'm confused, Dan. I, I, help I, me out here. I'm I'm reading this as concern around a, a a general etiquette concept of that it's it's a good practice not to disturb someone when they're. I like that idea. Um, and. Yeah, the idea of 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 the sort of peeking into the house to see if dinner's finished yet or not I, I, it reads a little sort of etiquette extreme. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that etiquette extreme. At, at the same time, I, I think it's I'm I'm also reading the question in a way that that's painting a picture of that we really try to take care. We try to to not just come and go during dinner time or specifically while people are sitting down. It looks like at a dining room table having a family dinner that happens at a dining room table, and that the sister doesn't seem to she pay as much up attention on this at all. To that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely am, am am a little curious about the. Sit down, maybe just sit down and have dinner with the parents, but yeah. that doesn't seem to be the routine. No, um, it doesn't. So I do. I appreciate the general care, but I also would say that um, am I my sister's keeper? Uh, on, on some level, is it really up to you to be monitoring this behavior? It sounds like you've checked in with the rest of the family. It's affecting her, though. Um, people think it's rude, but that maybe it's not necessarily something that they want to make a big to-do about. Okay. If it is affecting you, if it's to the point where it really bothers you, <laughs> um, it's a running point of conversation with you and your boyfriend, generally speaking, it's not a good practice to have things about other people you talk about a lot that you wouldn't be comfortable talking about with them. So if you're bringing it up to your family and your boyfriend all the time, you might as well talk to the sister about it. I think that's appropriate. Um, Personally, I'm thinking that the parents need to do the talking because they're the hosts of this house. It's their dinner table. Mm -hmm. It's not the younger sister's dinner table. It's the parents' dinner table. And I think that she should – a word I hate, should. But I think that she should um, let the parents decide whether this is going to be behavior that they tolerate. Mm -hmm. And that they decide it's not worth it for them to have the conversation. It doesn't bother them that much. And therefore, it's their house, their rules. They'd rather that the daughter feels comfortable coming and And going. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because they want to see her. Exactly. So I would would talk with your parents more about that part of it and then just decide that if that's what they choose to do, that's their house, that's their rules, and just be prepared that your sister might act this way. We agree with you. We think it's not the most polite behavior, but it isn't your home. And I think correcting your sister's behavior in her parents' home, your parents' home as well, would be awkward because it comes off as very judgmental. I, I, you know, I, I think that approach is spot on. Right. 
I think that's a really good way to, to think about it. And and also take a deep breath yourself yeah. and continue to hold yourself to the standards that, that you really think are appropriate. So you feel that good about what you're doing. That I agree with 100%. Mm. And I would also, if your parents do actually find this bothersome and they just don't know how to talk to your sister about it, I would encourage them by saying, this is your house and this is what you've always established with us as good behavior for you know, dining etiquette and gathering with other people. And it would mean a lot to me if if that could be upheld at this particular house. Whatever mm-hmm. sister wants to do, you know, at her own house is totally fine. But I think that it would be appropriate for the parents to step up to the plate and say, you know, let's name her Jillian. Um, Jillian, we really would appreciate it if you would decide before we sit down at the table whether or not you're going to join us for the whole meal and stay for the evening or if you and let's call him Tommy would like to go off and do your own dinner for the night. Sounds really simple and good to me. I like it. All Um, right. That dinner table is certainly a time people will carve out for some civility. Very important. It can be really important to to clearly a sister and and maybe to parents too. So I, I really like that language you were just putting out there. B, we hope that that helps and we hope that you can have less stressful meals. This question actually begins with quite a lot of lovely praise for us, but I'm going to just not go through it. Okay, I'm going to read it. (laughs) Sometimes I get worried that we overdo it on reading the the praise, but I also, it's nice. It's nice to hear it. Definitely don't stop writing it to us. (laughs) And once an episode, I think is okay. Okay. This one begins, good morning, I'm going to do that thing where I say how much I love your show because, well, I do. It's so awesome when there's a new one, but then it's sad when it's over. I'm so sorry. I love the banter and debate between you two. Okay, good. Hopefully you'll love it when it's about your question. I live in Idaho, but I'm originally from South Carolina. I moved here for graduate school and ended up staying. One thing I've noticed is that almost whenever I say anything about etiquette or when I pronounce words a certain way, people will label me as one of those East Coast people. I know mostly they're just teasing or it's in good fun, but sometimes I feel blown off or made fun of. Who cares how I pronounce cauliflower, creek, or aunt? I'm assuming that it's – I don't know how you mispronounce cauliflower, <laughs> but I'm sure the other two are crick and ant. Um, I don't understand why it's funny. In terms of etiquette, if I'm remotely annoyed when people are 10 to 15 minutes late, I've heard, oh, quit being such an uptight East Coaster. Many people around here tend to run late quite often, but I'm still not used to it. Do I need to chill out or is this an opportunity to educate people that good etiquette isn't uptight or specific to the East Coast? How do I ask people politely to stop laughing at my pronunciation and asking me to chill out when people are late or don't complete work on time. I'm also concerned because I have a wedding coming up in four months, and I'm concerned people are going to walk in as I'm walking down the aisle and cause a distraction. Is there a way to ask guests to be a few minutes early to give themselves time to find their seats, or should I just stop micromanaging the situation and just start late? Thanks for reading. Sincerely, not uptight. Well, oh, not. not uptight. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in elementary school, they used to call me the 50-year-old man because I was such a serious little person. <laughs> you were. You were a very serious little boy. Mischievous, too, which was an odd combination. But anyway, keep going. Seriously mischievous. Um I don't think it's necessarily just a regional question. Um, there's definitely a, a little bit of a personality test, I think, that that, that can sometimes go on in a, when, when – um, 
when lots of different people are meeting and interacting and can clearly you're someone for whom the details matter. <laughs> um, things like being on time and pronouncing words properly. And I don't even know that she's saying properly. It's more so just the way she grew up pronouncing them, you know? It's true because, it, you know, crick is correct some places and creek is correct some places. I wonder places. what the dictionary says if you asked how they were This is reminding me a little bit of the way we started last week's show, yeah? talking about regional personalities. We we're talking about oh, visiting we the, talking Midwest about the Midwest and, how and much what I love open the Midwest. and generous personalities. And this is Idaho she's talking about. The difference between generalizing and stereotyping. It can be really um, appropriate and effective to think about a group of people collectively and, and tendencies and preferences. It can help prepare you to interact with the whole culture. From Psych 101, it's actually how our brains categorize people and make it easier for us to remember. On the you flip don't side, want it to turn bad. <laughs> you don't want to take that generalization and apply it to an individual. That's that's the stereotyping. And here, I think that sometimes you feel that the application of those general ideas Absolutely. about East Coasters to you as an individual and that that chafes. And, and it's reasonable that that chafes. And I don't think it's appropriate for people to make those kind of comments about you. Yeah, I feel like you're getting a heavy dose of it that's unnecessary. So I, I want to acknowledge and address that right off the bat from the from the first part of your question. For the the secondary part of your question, for really thinking ahead to your wedding, and this is something that's really going to matter to you, clearly does matter to you, and you're thinking about it already, I think that's the wise way to think about it, particularly if you anticipate some potential problems. The the seriousness of the invitation is going to go a long way towards establishing the expectation of timeliness. A wedding invitation – it's something that, that, that carries some, some obligations, some social obligations when people receive it. So I think that you don't need to worry too, too much. By, by getting someone a wedding invitation, you're setting a pretty firm expectation that people arrive on time. Actually, people are supposed to arrive half an hour before the ceremony to do exactly what she's talking about. Find their seat, say hello to the people they're going to be chit-chatting with, greet people, say how happy you are to be here for the day, and then you sit down. On top of it, weddings are almost always late for this very reason. Um, The other thing that I would say to her is that it is okay for you to have um, uh, someone who works at the church that you're getting married at or someone that you could designate as the person to kind of hold people back from entering during you walking down the aisle or something of the like. And generally someone from the, the venue you're getting married at will do that. Because they understand this is this this is a really important moment. It's not a moment to be interrupted by someone, you know, barging in late and making a ruckus trying to find a seat. Even if they do it quietly, it's still not the time for them to do it. So, talk talk with the people that are organizing the wedding and and the organizers at the venue where you're actually getting married about that. That, that you have a big concern about this and you'd like them to you know, either hold people off or quietly, you know, hmm. escort them to a seat. And and things will happen. Flights will land late. <laughs> people, yes, people I mean, will get stuck in traffic. With it's... the best of intentions, things can go wrong. So exactly. it's good to have a backup plan. I, question for you, yes. wedding etiquette expert. Yeah. Um, what if someone or what if you're scared that there's a decent percentage of your wedding guest list that aren't aware of the courtesy of showing up a half hour before the announced is it ceremony time? Yeah, before Do, the announced w- ceremony. Would you ever build a little bit of a cushion into the times well, that I, you put on an invitation. I I think that definite. I think that happens just in general most of the time. I mean, I I don't think I've ever been to a wedding that has started on time to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like it's it's not a bad idea. 
Um, it's also not a bad idea when you send out sort of the little information packet that follows an, a wedding invitation to state, you know, it would be a good idea to get to the, the chapel or to the venue by X time so that you can find your seat and greet people. We know traffic is, you know, a lot of weddings are held like at 4.35, 5.30. You know, those are heavy traffic hours in a lot of areas. It's not a bad idea to, in your information packet that you send out after after the invitation, to actually say a reminder like that. I think that's okay. Well, uptight, I, I hope that helps as far as the wedding goes and as far as the, the day-to-day interactions. The pronunciations and such. We Laugh say it take off. heart, be yourself, yeah. um, take, it, take it with a, a great of salt if you can. Sometimes you can even throw it the other direction and say, oh, I say aunt proudly. <laughs> My aunt is not an insect. Um, you know, I, I think that's one that I, I got it actually within five minutes at, at the cocktail party I was at in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Someone noticed that I, and I do it about 50% of the time when I say F-A-M-I-L-Y, I pronounce um, the I. And so it's family as opposed to family. Huh. Where you kind of drop the I in the middle, you drop that that middle syllable. So um, it, it's someone noticed it and they were like, "You have an accent," and I was just sitting here going, "No, I don't." <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, everyone thinks their own voice is the right voice, and and just chalk this up to they hear it how they hear it. It sounds different. It's noticeable. It's like when someone puts part of your charm R on the end of idea. I'm like, what are you doing? That letter doesn't even exist there. But we're in Vermont, where it often does. Vermont, where we get rid of our T's and swallow our G's. Swallow our G's. (laughs) Sorry, not uptight. We get we get into our own world sometimes. Um, It. I I do think take heart with those. Don't worry about it. I think it's great that you are a punctual person. I don't think you need to be preaching it to everybody. I think you are and have been and should continue to prepare yourself for the fact that the people in the area that. You live tend to run about 10 to 15 minutes behind and just run with it. Good luck. Enjoy Idaho and um, best wishes on the coming nuptials. And we agree. You are not uptight. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next listener wants to know, Hey Lizzie and Daniel, I have a friend who I've known for about a year. He talks a lot about himself, what he <laughs> wants, how great it is to have what he currently owns. In small quantities, it would be fine, but he seems to talk about it all the time we're together, and it really makes it hard to enjoy hanging out with him. How do I gently bring this up with him so I can enjoy hanging out with him more? I'd prefer not to have to sit him down and have an intervention. What can I do? Thanks. Soft-spoken friend. I totally sympathize with you, but I am going to joke about this one a little bit. I mean... What do you say? Like, you're sitting there telling me all about you and your house on the mountain and your sauna and I know, your beautiful so fiancé and this. No, 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 I'm not <laughs> yeah. doing that. But then what do I say to you? Do I say, like, like, hey, it's really nice to hear so much about you. Can we talk about me for a minute? Or anything else, please. Or anything <laughs> other than you? Like, how it's can a we? hard one to deliver well. It really is. Our sound engineer, we we read this question to him before, and he had such a great line. He goes, well, enough about me. How do you like my shoes? <laughs> and it's just like. 
That's something else, right? <laughs> I love it. It is something else. Um, I I not sure that this I you know this happens it happens to me when I'm traveling or also um, when I go and eat alone at a place. Like the person at the bar neck, you know, at the bar sitting next to you starts mm-hmm. talking and they just talk about themselves, and you're just like, do you know how to answer or ask a question? Like it happens with dating too. Mm-hmm. You get on a date. And um, it's let me just, polish off my resume here and yeah, uh, run a little interview like on you're, you. <laughs> you're not even an interview. It's like the person just reads you the interview. It's like they're just talking about themselves and they never ask you a question about you. And that's when I know I'm never going to be with this person. I'm like, you don't know how to ask about me. You're supposed to try to get to know me. I'm supposed to try to get to know you. Let me do that work. Mm-hmm. Let me do the investigative work to get to know you. Um, but this is between two friends. It's clearly a problem. I say spend less time with him. Um, truthfully, I would not bring this up to this person personally. I don't think unless you really value this friendship so incredibly much that you know them well, have a a repository of good experiences and a long history that's sort of in the friendship bank that you can draw on. Even then, I would just really work hard at changing the subject. That was the direction I was thinking to take also that that don't don't let yourself get run run over in the conversation exactly take some control be prepared to talk about things other things yourself a little bit but other things uh topics of common interest right um it can really be anything but but be persistent and um be curious you can ask questions about things that aren't necessarily related to him and start to to develop some inquiry in your dialogue <laughs> oh you like sailing let's talk about a boat you don't own <laughs> like no i'm just kidding <laughs> the tv going. show we've both been watching the right right <laughs> the, the the job that we both share right. whatever it might be but but you do have to, to to be persistent about that and truthfully there are some times where you just realize people maybe aren't the type of friend you want to have around all the time it happens all the time you meet someone you think oh man this guy's great like it's nice to have a new buddy you know and then you get to know him a little bit more and you're like okay i don't really <laughs> want to spend that much time with this person that's okay too if that's what you're discovering with this person if this isn't going to be your best friend for life, godfather of your children, like, don't worry about it. You can kind of slow down on the amount of time you spend with this person. I'll tell you something someone once told me about conversation that I really liked hearing. that? that? One of the most precious things that you have to share is your story. Like the story of you, the story of your life, the narrative that you tell yourself about who you are. So don't is, abuse it. <laughs> is one of the most precious things that you have. Yeah. And, and be careful with how you share that and how how freely um, – how, how much you put that on other people, put that out there because it really is. It's a precious thing, the, the the narrative of your life. And and think carefully about how you share it because you don't want to end up like this person who's who's literally giving offense and, and, and sending other people away with how yeah. – how eager he is to share his particular story. So there you go. We don't think that you should actually bring this up to the person and say you talk about yourself too much. Um, We do think that you should take control of the conversation and try to find other things to direct him towards. And it might be difficult. He might constantly be trying. Some people are just the type of person that no matter what the subject is, they want to find a way to relate to it. Therefore, they talk about themselves. Um, And if none of that works, then I say I say slowly let go of this friendship a bit. Don't spend quite as much time with this person. And that's a hard piece of advice to give. I wish I could give you something better than that. But I in my head cannot find a way to say you talk about yourself too much. 
without to this person that being too without brutal. it being too brutal or too difficult um, or too offensive. So good luck, soft-spoken friend. We hope that you can find a way to manage this friendship in a way that's positive for you. This question begins... Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Really enjoying the show. So glad that you have expanded. Here's my question of the day. I'm going to be traveling to a conference in New York and will be sharing a rental apartment with a dear friend who is also attending the conference. She has made a plan to meet an acquaintance of hers for dinner, and she has invited me to join them. The acquaintance has picked the dinner location already. However, and unfortunately, when I looked up reviews of the restaurant, they were less than stellar. The only people who were happy about it were the ones who were having their bridal showers there. Everyone else seemed to have hated the food, the drinks, and the service. Oh boy, this place is not inexpensive, and given the universe of choices available in New York, it seems a shame to end up there. I feel resigned to just keeping quiet and to enjoy my time with my friend and to anticipate making a good connection with this new acquaintance. It doesn't seem like there's a polite and sensitive alternative, but perhaps you have some ideas. Thanks so much, Anonymous. Well, Anonymous, um, being a country boy who loves my visits to the big city, I sympathize with your situation. I like to to optimize every minute and take everything I possibly can. Can out of it. There are favorite restaurants in in all of the closest cities to me that I would think are just a shame to miss or to end up somewhere bad. At the same time, you got to try new things every once in a while. That's how you find your next favorite restaurant. And it looks like you've done your your due diligence here. And this might not be the spot. Although, as you've noted in the question, you're you're pretty much in a bind here. Your host, the person who's issuing the invitation, is going to be paying for the meal. Really does get to pick where it is that you're going to eat. And I think to send back a a list of suggested alternative options would be just a bit much in this situation. I'm guessing that that between these people, though, that I don't I bet that this is this would be like the kind of dinner where even though this person invited you, I don't think they're going to pay for it. I think this is like a dinner between friends and acquaintances. And so if if that's the case, if, yeah. if Lizzie's assumption is 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 the correct assumption, if this is a meal where you're expecting you're to split the bill, way, yeah. then I say go ahead and offer other other alternatives or options. Um, if this other person is really playing the host role, I would follow their lead and either accept the invitation or not. <laughs> and so, if it really matters to you to eat somewhere else or to try something different or something that um that you found yourself and can get excited about, then I think you, you turn down the invitation. If it's a split bill, then then you're talking about uh, you want to get your your preference and your option on the table as soon as possible. You want to get your choice in the ring so that you can all make a decision. All right. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this one. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I, I think actually bowing out is a really good option here. That if it, and Certainly an option. It, it's yep. definite, I, think, I think it's definitely an option. It's one that, that, that I would feel comfortable telling you go ahead and go for it and mm-hmm. say, you know, just not feeling that social tonight – you know, travel got to you a little bit. I'm just going to grab dinner on my own and um, and you guys have a great time. I don't want to bring you down, that sort of thing. Um, everyone sometimes needs their minute to reset when they're traveling. And this could be your way of asking for that and not making them feel bad. I don't really think it's a total white lie, so I'm okay mm-hmm. offering it or to you. Or is there something else I'd prefer? So – Here's the thing, though, is that when it comes to suggesting something different, it's the acquaintance that this person doesn't know that has asked for the dinner, invited you, and then invited you to be a part of their time together. I don't think you as the third party person in this should be changing. I think the, the friend could change it. 
she could say, hey, Jim, you know, I looked up that restaurant and it's not getting great reviews. Would you feel comfortable trying something else? You know, I heard of this place. If she is the one doing it, I think it's one thing. But I think you as the person who doesn't know the person who selected the restaurant, I think it comes across as pushy for you to – I think it makes it a harder step. So I would either – if you feel comfortable talking to your friend who is going to be sharing the rental apartment with you – about it and let her know that that maybe you were unsure about the restaurant and you, you had a couple suggestions. That would be one thing. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, I say bow out and go get a dinner someplace that you're going to enjoy yourself. You know, I'll, I'll take the, the Lizzie Post modification <laughs> to the answer. If, if you, you do want to get your input, maybe feed it through that friend. I think that makes a lot of sense. Good luck. And we hope you have a great trip to New York. It's one of our favorite places to visit. Well, uh, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's it for our questions for today. As always, we are so incredibly grateful that you listen to our podcast, that you have questions of your own to ask, and we want you to keep them coming. Next week, we're going to have a very special guest. My friend Sharon from Modern Dating Mastery is going to be on the show with us, and she is going to be here to answer your dating questions. So please, 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 over the next week, send us your dating questions. We want to hear, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. What kind of dating problems do you get into? Whether you're single, attached, married, you know, what is it that you want to know about dating etiquette? As always, you can submit your questions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also send them in via Facebook and Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. If you like what you hear, please do tell the world. Tweet it, Facebook it, and of course you can subscribe on iTunes and do the ever-helpful job of leaving us a review. We want to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook. We're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was and is composed and performed by Bob Wagner.